Hey guys, you are listening to the Rima Chapel Podcast, which brings the message of Jesus Christ to the lost all across the globe. Today's speaker is our own pastor, Reverend Samuel Donkoporte, pastor of Rima Chapel, Belfort, Germany. Hope you enjoy the message. So, so, so we want to talk about the covenant that God secured by himself. I'm mindful of the fact that we are going to take communion. So when, when you have that in mind and you are taking communion, it's going to help you. Secondly, I want you to also be aware of the fact that anything you hear from God, it will not profit you unless you mix it with faith. What do I mean by mixing what you hear with faith? When you hear anything that God said, it is not just information. It is supposed to cause an attitude shift. And trust me, spiritually speaking, attitude is everything. So when somebody is afraid, it means that where God placed him is no more there. And God will say, fear not. You know why? Because he wants to bring you back to that place. So attitude is everything. When you are afraid, dogs will smell your fear. And somehow, a dog becomes bold to try to attack you when they can sense fear in you. Am I right about that? So you see, an attitude can even be read by a dog. How is it then that God cannot read attitude? Attitude is everything. Please tell somebody, be uh, particular about the kind of attitude you exert when you are in God's presence. Anytime you come, God wants you to receive something. Because you see, whether you like it or not, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from him. Get niche and us. It doesn't come from Aldi. It comes from God. So for us, we will always be the ones who say thank you, thank you, thank you. If you are the one that is so proud that you cannot be saying thank you uh, 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 very often and you want to bring that one to God, it will not help you. For us, Between us and God, it will always be thank you. Whether you like it or not, as it's in fact so. That's what it is. It is what it is. Now, let me just uh, read for you uh, Genesis chapter uh, 5. Actually, you will find this whole story in Genesis 5, 8 to 18. So I read Genesis chapter 15, verse 8. Sorry, Genesis chapter 15, the verse number 8 to 18. But I'm reading just the verse number 8. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? This is Abraham that God came to. In the first thing, God told him that your descendants will be like the stars of heaven, Genesis 15, 6. And the Bible said he believed God. And because he believed God, God declared him righteous. You know why? Because his attitude was right. His attitude positioned him in a place where the righteousness of God can cover him. 
So God declared him righteous. And then God said to the man who has the proper attitude, listen, before you ever get anything major from God, your attitude must be right. So when he had the proper attitude, God now said, as for me, my covenant is with you. And this land I have brought you in, you are going to inherit it. Then the man said, Lord, how shall I know that I will inherit it? I come to tell you that God took an action to put the issue beyond doubt. When you are relating to God, it's not like the stock market. The stock market is a place where there is speculation. Speculation because nobody really knows. So according to what is happening in other parts of the world, the stock market can, uh, what do you call it? Reagate. Yeah, the stock market can react. So it may go up or it may go down depending upon what is happening around. Well, in the case of God, it is not so. Whether it is raining or it is shining, it is snowing, uh, 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 it is a windy day, it is a very bad day, it is a coronary virus day or whatever it is, God remains constant. So, 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 so he, the question was, how shall I know that I shall inherit it? I come today to eliminate every doubt that you may have. God is the most trustworthy person that you can ever have in your life. And if you, if you have been, uh, uh, what do you call let down by every person in your life, including your mother and your father, trust God because God is not your papa or your mama, or he's not like your papa or your mama. He will not disappoint. You know, the thing about God is that if a man believes, all things are possible to him who believes. But do you know the problem? The problem is the devil knows that when he can be able to sow some doubt somewhere, your faith will have a back door by which the enemies can come in. Because if a man shall believe in his heart, that the things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. But you know that that same scripture said, believe in yourself and not doubt. I have always said, your believing doesn't have to be big. Even if it is small, like a mustard seed, that's all it takes. The important thing is that doubt must not be in it. And we want to deal with the issue so that you get it. So, this guy said, Lord, you said I will inherit it. You have already told me, showing me the stars, that my children will be plenty. That's good. But this land, where I am a stranger now, you say I will inherit it. Whereby shall I know? I don't know what your other versions are saying. But the King James Version, I like what he said. Because the King James Version said, uh, get me or take me. Is that not so? Who, who has his Bible uh, open to the place? Yeah, bring me or get me. In other words, you are doing it on my behalf. God would have definitely brought his own animals 
to cut the covenant. So the animals that he is being asked to bring, he is bringing it on God's behalf. Take notice. I want you to understand that this will mean that this covenant will be God's covenant. He was demanded to prove that what he said will remain and never change. And how did he respond? Covenant. This is one of the reasons why you and I must understand that covenant is the way by which God deals with men to bring good things in the air. How do we know that? Just take a look at the book of Genesis. You will see that when God created man on the earth, According to Genesis chapter 2, I believe that the verse number 17. God said, you know, I have created everything on this planet. This garden here is a special one I have made for you. Everything, it is free for you to eat. But only, ah, okay. Everything, yeah. Everything you can eat. But the one thing that you shouldn't eat is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat. In the day that you eat it, in that day, you will surely die. Now take notice, because in the verse number 22, the woman came in. So take notice that God is talking to Adam alone. But actually, I venture to suggest that Adam was, or Eve was in Adam as God spoke to them. He was in Adam. So God, yeah, the verse number 22. And the rib which God, uh, the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. So you notice that the covenant or the agreement was signed before the woman came. Am I right about that? Good. Please notice here. That that covenant actually has got good things and bad things. If you eat, you will die. If you don't eat, you will be blessed. Everything is yours. Minus the symbol of that covenant, all others are yours. Now, this has been the way God has related to man from time immemorial. It is not magic. And so when it came to the time of uh, 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 Abraham, Abraham also needed an assurance so that he would be able to, you know, believe God without doubting. What did God do? God said, okay, I will cut a covenant with you. You know, the thing about covenants is that covenants have got two sides. It's like a two-edged sword. You have the blessed edge or the blessing edge, and you have the curse edge. And people who are parties to a covenant, they have to understand that covenant is based upon faithfulness, or covenant is based upon you being true to the terms of a covenant and not change. Actually, if I have a covenant with this man here, it's my namesake somewhere, if I have a covenant with him, that covenant will affect his children. And it will affect my children too. So that if myself and him, we are removed from each other ten generations, yet that thing will still be in effect. And uh, 
his children are supposed to know so that they observe that covenant. Why? Because the day you cross over the covenant or you uh, break the covenant, then the blessing stops. What begins to take place? The curse. So the blessing is to be enjoyed until the covenant breaks. And when the covenant breaks, then the curse comes only unto blessing. I'll put it another way. The covenant is a blessing, but the day the covenant breaks, then the curse has no breaks. It is like the motor will jam you matter. You know that song? Satan come on for road. I cannot break you. Uh-huh. Because the thing is moving and there is no break. So it will jam you. So you and I should see that in this covenant, what was God trying to do? He said, bring a pigeon, three years old, and all those animals, three years old, three years old. How many of you know that Jesus Christ did his ministry for only three years? And in the prime of his ministry, because you see, when people start something, they don't really enjoy what they have started it. It is when it begins to bear fruit. In the prime of his ministry, when he should be enjoying in, in, in the, how would these people do it? The, this, uh, this, uh, these theologians. In the year of popularity. Because Jesus had years of obscurity. But it is in the year of popularity that he was cut short. Do you understand? The man was cut short in his prime. And he was cut short in the third year of his ministry when actually ministry was in great shape. He was cut off. But you see, he was cut off for you and for I so that, you see, when we labor and we work hard, how many of you know that the devil doesn't bother about you when, when you are doing the wahala? The witches in your family, they don't bother about you when the wahala is going on. But when the door opens and something good begins to happen and then you are just about to have your freedom, meaning that the harvest is about ready for you to take in, oh, then there are evil demons which are in them kick in and they will go holding meetings coming after you. But in the covenant that we have with Christ, when the enemy rises to that point, Jesus Christ has already been demonstrated as one who was taken away from his harvest. Why? Because when it is our turn, our harvest must be ours. It's an exchange. So here we have a situation where God cut a covenant. And I won't go into that one because I think we went into that uh, the last time we were talking about covenant rights. I'm sure some of you remember that we were talking of the fact that uh, somebody, uh, Jehu was coming to uh, the king of Israel, uh, Ahab, and uh, the question was, Jehu, do you come in peace? And the reply of Jehu was this, what peace? So long as the whoredoms and the, and the, and the what do you call it? Uh, where is it? Where is it right now? So, 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 the verse number 22, it was, it was 2 Kings uh, 9, 
verse 22. And it came to pass when Joram saw Jehu, he said, Is it peace, Jehu? And he answered, What peace as long as the wardrobes of thy mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many? Hallelujah. So you, you, you understand that the enemy knows that it is in peace that you and I will be blessed. It is in peace will be established. It is in peace things will work well. And the one thing that he wants to tamper with is to tamper with the peace we should have. And when he does that, how does he do it? He does it through witchcrafts. I've already spoken about the peace spoken of there, so I won't go into that because that was for something else. That the peace meant shalom, meaning that completeness, soundness, welfare, peace, you know, prosperity, tranquility, contentment, peace and friendship. I said all these things about that one when we spoke about that. Those are the things the devil comes after. But you see, the covenant is supposed to secure for you that God will not fail you even when the enemy comes. And I come to tell you that God asked this man to set these things up. Cut the animals in pieces. And he did that. And the reason is simply because when you entered into the covenant with anybody, you cut those animals in pieces like we have this eye. Let's say that this is one, uh, this is one piece of the animal, this is the other piece, you know. So the animals are in pieces like that. But this is their cut part, meaning that when they are bleeding, they bleed this way, they bleed this way. So the pathway between them is a pathway of blood. And when you are cutting a covenant with somebody, they go through this middle way, and as they walk, they pronounce the blessings and the curses of the covenant. And the blessing of the covenant is all the good things that will happen. But the curses of the covenant, they, they, they speak of the bad things that will happen. And you know what? We are trampling upon the blood under our feet. Meaning that to us, it should happen the same way. How many of you know that the life is in the blood? So your life and your blood are connected. So that if I should break the covenant, let my life be like the life of these animals that I'm treading or trampling on their feet. And let my life be trodden underfoot. Let it be considered a useless thing that people can walk over. Now, this is a very profound thing. And people don't break covenants in those days because they understood the implications. You break it. The Bible says, well, when you break the hedge, a serpent will bite it. So they don't do those kinds of things. Well, here comes God, and this is exactly what he's doing to Abraham. Meaning that he's trying to tell Abraham that, look, I promise on my honor that as for this thing, I'm going to keep it. If I don't keep this thing, then let me cease to be God. Let me lose my throne. Let me lose every blessing that I have. Let me become a shame and a byword. Now, the question I'm asking you is, can God ever break his covenant? You think that God does not understand what a curse is? Now, if God can speak anything and it will come to pass, then surely his own mouth can speak a curse and it will affect him. So the Bible says what? God has honored his word above all his name. Why? Because he knows the power of his word. I come to tell you that, look, when you are dealing with the God of Israel, 
the God who presents himself in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, you are dealing with somebody who is completely reliable, completely trustworthy, that you can trust him even when your personal circumstances are saying, no, God is lying, trust God. When your feelings are telling you, no, God didn't speak the truth, trust God. When everybody around you is saying, as for this, your God, he has finally abandoned you. You see, you have trusted him, but today you see that your end will be in shame and disgrace. I want you to trust God. Because you see, what we have is a covenant relationship. We don't have the normal relationship other people have. We have a covenant relationship. There is very, very uh, negative consequences if God should ever break his word. But did God make that promise for us or for himself? Obviously, it is for us. Because you see, God, he cannot do evil. So he did it for us so that in the mouth of... Oh, let me just read that scripture now. Um, Hebrews chapter 6, the verse number 15, 16, 17, 18. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, the verse number 15. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise... He who, Abraham, we are talking about Abraham in this case. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. What, what did he patiently endure? He endured patiently years of childlessness. Amen? Amen. Although God said, leave your papa's house. Leave your country, leave your kindred. Move out of your comfort zone, the familiar zone, the place where you have an inheritance. Turn your back on your inheritance and I will give you a greater inheritance. I will make your name great. And other people all over the world are going to bless themselves in you and through you. If God told you something like that, then here you are. Now you have become old. <laughs> no child. Meanwhile, God said, my covenant is with you and with your children after you. Naturally, our mind will tell us that this one, <laughs> uh, did God really mean it? What happened? Have God forgotten what he said? How is it that God does not see my frame? That really I am getting old. Has God forgotten that when a woman has a menopause, then the possibility that she's going to have a child goes down to zero? So, what at all is this thing that God is doing? Whereby, if actually he created us, he knows that naturally what we carry can operate within a certain frame of time. And he has allowed the time to elapse. My friend, listen to me. Let God be true in every man, every situation, every circumstance. A liar. Why? Because God has a covenant relationship with you. 
Don't get up and be walking like a man without covenant. The Bible says there are souls, those who are strangers to the covenants of promise. Don't be a stranger because strangers don't eat the promise of the covenant. The sons and daughters who eat. Are you okay with me? So, and so after he had patiently endured, he did what? He obtained the promise. Some of you do not know that it takes patience to take the promises of God. Some of you don't know that if you are believing God to prosper you financially, God can just give you the money today, today, today. But you see, prosperity in itself is something that God has designed with the whole world in view. Because he said, let the tree bring forth abundantly. Let the earth bring forth abundantly. That means that in that statement, he has set up the process whereby it will be done. And you and I know that you cannot plant something today and then tomorrow you say, harvest, give me, give me, give me. It takes some time. And so, when you don't have patience, by the time that that thing is coming, you have abandoned post. And you know, when you abandon post in the army, they court martial you. Instead of they rewarding you and honoring you, they court martial you. Huh. The same thing happens if you should lack of patience, then you leave your position. And I'm saying that, see, when you leave your position, how do we know we have left your position? Your attitude has changed. Are you okay with me? But if your attitude still remains the same, then you will still be calling yourself a father of many nations, although you are now 99 and it doesn't look like it. You'll be calling uh, 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 Sarai, Sarah, Knowing that what God has said is able to do it. Meanwhile, this woman, she's beginning to get older. And you know that maybe you don't know when there was the last time that she ever, you know, did what women normally do. But yet, you still do it, and you still do it in faith. You don't do it cynically, because the one who does the thing cynically actually has left his position. What do I mean by cynically? You are doing it in a mocking way. They say, Rachel, come and see. Rich riding a bicycle. <laughs> so when you say rich, you are laughing your heart and your head. Bicycle now reaches now. <laughs> Somebody is talking of a limo, and you are riding a bicycle and talking of riches. You say, so, so you say rich, you say rich, but you are laughing your head. That one means that you are actually mocking. These people were not doing that, because if they were doing that, then spiritually they have left their position God put there. Please understand that faith is always an attitude. That's why it can be seen. So here we have a situation where God has given this man the promise and God has also said that I swear by myself. In verse number 16. For men verily swear by the greater one and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. May you never, never have strife when it comes to God. I've always told people that faith is a rest. It's not a strife. When you are believing God for something and you are finding that there's there's strife going on, it means that you are moving from your position. You are like Peter who has walked on the water and is not far from Jesus, but now you have turned your eyes from him and you are looking at the storm. Faith is a rest. It is a rest. And where is that rest? Upon the covenants of God. 
that God has a covenant relationship with me. A relationship that is signed upon the basis of, let me not say signed, cut. Because as for covenants, you cut them. Because there's bleeding, you don't sign, you cut. You understand me? So, so this relationship is cut on the basis of the blood of Jesus. And the Bible calls it an eternal or everlasting covenant. Everlasting means its uh, ramifications, its import, its impact, its uh, uh, blessings as well as its negativities, they go on perpetually. That is the kind of covenant that you and I have with God. And for that reason, we can choose to believe God and not doubt. Listen, my dear friends, if you are doubting, you are choosing to doubt. Or you are ignorant of the fact that it's a covenant. But if you know that it's a covenant, then you know that there is no reason to doubt. Why? Because this covenant is on the basis of the blood of the Lord Jesus. Listen. When uh, the blood of Abel was shed, what happened? Tell me something. When the blood, uh, uh, Abel's blood was shed, what happened? The blood went into the ground. But according to the Bible, though the blood was in the ground that you probably will not see it physically, yet out of the ground, this blood was crying out to God, crying for vengeance. And the, the, the power of that cry was so, so strong that God couldn't sit on his throne. He had to intervene. What makes you think that the blood of Jesus can be a weaker blood? What, you make, what makes you think that the blood of Jesus can be uh, ineffective in his cry? Listen, no matter what you are going through, understand that as a son or a daughter of the covenant, you must lift up the blood. I think, uh, is it John, John, 1 John 5 and the verse number 8, I think. It says what? In the, in the, uh, uh, upon earth, there are three that bear witness. And then, good. There are three that bear witness in the earth. The spirit and the water and the blood. And these three are, agree in one. What, the next verse, maybe, maybe it will be the seven. Okay, uh, verse seven. Verse 7. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And then verse 8 says, well, there are also three that bear witness in the earth. The Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. What do you understand when you talk about a witness? If something happens and you can have a witness who will testify on your behalf, the case is finished for the one who did the thing against you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it moves from my word against your word. He said, I said. It moves beyond because there's somebody that witnessed. Now, the scripture says, well, the blood is a witness. So when the devil comes against your marriage and says, no, 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 this thing must not continue, who do you call as a witness when you go on your knees? When the devil comes against your, your, your health and says, well, uh, as for... Me, I won't use anybody. I'll just use myself. <laughs> so that you don't misunderstand. 
As for the Udonko Quartes, when the men hit their 65 year or their 65th year, almost all the time, they develop a heart condition. So they don't go beyond 70. If according to the natural genes, this is what the devil has been able, he has infiltrated the genes and programmed this into the genes. And so now, I have hit 65, and then I'm beginning to have problems with my heart. But mind you, I am a child of God. What am I supposed to do? I am supposed to go to court. I am supposed to call the blood as a witness that for me, the curse is broken because he hung on the tree for my sake. So that I can stand and I can say, thank God. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forevermore. I shall not die of heart attack. I shall not die of stroke. I shall not die of cancer. I shall not die of coronary coronary virus. No, the thing, see, because how many of you know that the press is trying to get even believers to agree with them? And I've seen some believers who are even agreeing. You see, we have to understand one thing. That when the world goes about peddling fear, they want you to buy into the fear. So they will go around and they say, well, the sickness is, uh, what do you call it, it's increasing, whatever, whatever. So many people are dying. And what is, and people spring up all over the place and they have just developed videos. Only to bring this negative thing, to try. You see, believers are not supposed to agree with anything that is not the will of God. Because what you agree with, you establish. What you confront, you can overthrow. So here was I, and uh, we were, we, we are in a particular forum. Uh, it's called Cabo, I mean, it's a forum where some of us were when we were young, you know, and some of these people have now become, you know, big, big men of God all over the world. But we are in the forum, and then somebody just posted this kind of thing into the forum. And I'm like, ah, but why is, why is nobody... You know, it's just there. Nobody is responding. Why, is, why are people leaving this in the forum like this? It is better that you don't post in the forum at all. But if you do post in the forum, then you must also post your spiritual reaction to it. Because believe me, whether you like it or not, Jesus said, all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go... Go who? Those who are connected to me by covenant. Meaning that what is my power is yours. Because by covenant, anything I have is yours. When you need it, all you have to do is make a request and it is yours. So my, 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 my mind is like, ah, how can people just put this kind of thing in the, in the forum and, and, and not provide any reaction? Do they intend to spread the spirit of fear here or what? So I wrote in the forum. I said, we halt the spread of this disease in the name of Jesus. I have not seen anybody respond. But for me, I don't want to be a part of something that will eventually uh, compromise my ability to fight. 
And I'm telling you, if you are a child of God, you are a child of the covenant, you don't have to fear the coronavirus. It doesn't matter how much it spreads in Deutschland. It will not get you. Listen, I checked my Bible the last time, and uh, some of the disciples of Jesus, they were eating with hands that is not washed. And the Pharisees came and confronted them. Do you know what Jesus said to them? Hello? Jesus said, it is not what goes into your mouth that contaminates you. It is what comes out. And you know what that tells me? What that tells me is simply this. Man was created into a world where his own internal defenses were so fortified that it doesn't matter what is out there. He is supposed to dominate them and rule over them. Sin created a compromise which caused the things we are supposed to dominate to get into us and then begin to threaten our life. And so because of that, Jesus is making a statement about what originally is the case. In other words, the original intent of God was made clear in this statement. That what goes into a man's mouth does not defile him. It is what comes out. Meaning that when your spirit is strong, the bacteria or the virus, they can't take you. And you know what? There's a man called John G. Lake. He proved that when the, uh, 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 I think 1905 or something, there was an outbreak of, of a plague. And when any of the body fluid of the person who died from it, if it touches you, you are finished. So, people were being given huge sums of money to bury the people. But even then, those who volunteered, they are few. You know, people don't want to die. Uh-huh. But eventually, he and his church, he prayed for some of his church people, and they decided, they went and they were carrying people from house to house and just burying them like that. And the reporters noted something, that he didn't even bother to put on gloves and those other things. And they said, ah, but you, why? He told them that, look, you need to understand that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has delivered me from the law of sin and death. That is scripture. And he said, look, by that law, this thing, when it touches this body, it will die. So they connected some of the froth that came from somebody's nose who had just died, uh, divided it into two. Okay, sorry, put it under a microscope first and realized that they, they, what do you call it? they, are, they are moving. Uh, yeah, they are moving, they are moving, they are moving. That means they are active, they are alive. They divided it into two, and then the half, they put it into his hands. And then they got another slide, and the one that has been in his hands for some time, they put it on that slide. So now they have two slides to compare. The one that was divided, which is the original one, and the one that has come into contact with his hand. Do you know what happened? The one that has come into contact with his hand, they all died. The one that was uh, divided, that didn't come into his hand, they were still alive and moving. And so he proved that a man's spiritual capacity is what arrests 
the spirit of death and its agents. Now, I am not telling you that for that reason, uh, be, be eating without washing your hands. I'm not saying that. And, and uh, 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 that's not, I'm not saying don't eat without washing your hands. That's not what I'm saying. And, and I'm also not saying that for that reason, you become so fastidious about your life that every time you shake somebody's hand, oh yeah, you have to, you know, disinfect. <laughs> and, and if you ever go to town, how many of you know that these days, this thing can spread many ways? For example, if you go to a shop, you buy something, and then they give you a change. This money, somebody has handled before it came. So there can be contamination in it. Even if it's not money you are using to buy, buy his credit card. The person has handled your credit card and has handled some other person's credit card. So what guarantee is there that the thing has not passed through the credit card to come with you? Do, do, do you understand what I mean? So, so, so it means that you can have a certain spirit of fear spread to the extent that people's faith goes down to zero. And when it is like that, the devil can kill all of you. Because this is the victory that overcomes the world. Hallelujah. So you see, the Bible said, Verse 17, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirm it by an oath. That by two things, two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Hallelujah. Uh, this one, the reading was in Hebrews uh, chapter chapter 6 and verse 17 and 18. You remember I was reading that one before I moved. But my whole point is that God doesn't want you to doubt. He doesn't want you to doubt. Because of that, he came into covenant. And you know, he didn't just make a covenant. He also swore. He also made an oath. So, based upon covenant number one, based upon the oath. And you see, oath you swear by somebody who is bigger than you. But there is nobody bigger than God. So he swore by himself. And, and based upon the covenant, God cannot lie. But based upon the oath also, he also cannot lie. So that with these two impossible, or with these two things where it is impossible for God to be found a liar, you can walk with your chest out. You can be bold. You can be confident. You can know that whatever God has promised, if you will stand upon the word, you will always be safe. Am I talking to somebody? So I want to challenge you, my dear friends. When you take communion today, one of the things you need to uh, understand is that by taking communion, you are confirming affirming, establishing, empowering the covenant of God in your life. Jesus said, when you do these things, do it what? In remembrance. So, you are not just remembering, but actually you are confirming. You are saying yes. You are expressing your confidence and your support for the covenant. Are you okay about that? It will simply mean that 
If the devil is trying to cheat you out of any inheritance God says you should have, call the blood of Jesus for a witness. Because the blood of Jesus gives us a clear assurance that God has made us partakers of the inheritance of the saints of God in light. We are not people who must sweat and fight to get something. We have an inheritance. The royal family do not, the members of the royal family do not work simply because they have to earn their living. They work because work is a good ethic. It's only the young man that his wife is trying to, you know, drive him away. They want to do something crazy. But you see, that family, I believe in a way God is preserving them for many reasons. Because when you look at them, their natural life helps you to see some of the things that we as royal sons and daughters of God are supposed to be exhibiting in life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, that is one of the things you shouldn't forget. Don't forget that you were bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And therefore, the devil has no right to exact wickedness upon you. Understand that the devil cannot testify against you and put you down. Meaning that the devil cannot use your past, any mistake or something that you have made, and then use it to beat you down. Because you see, who is he that condemneth? Yea, it is Christ who justifies. We have moved from condemnation even into life. So, no matter how many tongues are lifted up against you to condemn you, what you need to do is to lift up the witness, the witness of the blood. It doesn't matter how many they are. By that witness, all of them will be put down. Why? Because it doesn't matter how many people come to come and testify to you or against you in court. If there were no eyewitnesses, but they came with... uh, this person said to me, that person said to me, this person, I believe, I guess, I think. If they came with that, it doesn't work in court. Are you listening to me? What works in court is the one who, Augen Trager, they say, Gafiri Gadochi, he saw it with his own eyes. That is what counts. And so when you lift up the blood, the blood knows where it came from. It came from Emmanuel's vein. He knows that. When you lift up the blood, it's an organ toilet. And every mouth of speculation will shut down in Jesus' name. Amen. Let every mouth of speculation against your life shut down. Let every mouth of speculation against your health shut down. Let every mouth of speculation against your progress, be it spiritual or physical or financial or marital or social, let it shut down in the name of Jesus. You know, if you magnify the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus will magnify you. If you exalt Jesus and you exalt his blood, Jesus will exalt you. This is because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But once the blood has been shed, you are not going to be any more righteous than Jesus himself. Let me put it another way. Though you may find ways 
whereby you are able to do all things correct and act correctly, so that perhaps you are able to act more correct than Jesus himself when he was working physically here. Yet you can't be more righteous than him. It is his righteousness that is yours. And you know, devil couldn't take that righteousness. Because when he went into that dark place in hell, the place where the prisoners there has never been released before, the Bible said when he went into that place, the light of God invaded the place. You know, when you are a creature of darkness, when you see light, it will blind you. And he was so blind that Jesus said, give me the keys. Oh yeah, he handed over the keys. Jesus has today the keys of hell and death. You will not die before your time in the name of Jesus. You will live to declare the goodness of God. I have many, many things I could say to you about the blood. But I believe that for lack of time. So, let me just say a couple of things. That holiness is established on the, face, on the basis of the blood of Jesus. For the Bible says, for the bodies of the beasts whose blood is taken into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside of the gates of the tents. So you see, holiness is established on the basis of the blood of Jesus. You want to be more holy? Make more mention of the blood. Invoke the blood of Jesus to be a covering, to be a protection in the name of Jesus. The blood speaks mercy and speaks grace. For to whom, for to Jesus and to Jesus by whom the new agreement has been made between God and man. That is Hebrews 12, 24. And for the sign of the blood, which says better things than Abel's blood. The blood speaks grace. You will never lack grace. God will always be on your side. Because when grace is on your side, God is on your side. The blood grants boldness. Hebrews 10, 19. So then, my brothers, being able to go into the holy place without fear because of the blood of Jesus. The King James says what? We should come boldly. So the blood grants boldness into the presence of God. I want you to understand, my dear friends, that as we take this communion, what you and I need is boldness. We need boldness. And that boldness, we have it based upon the blood of Jesus. Why do we need boldness? We have a world that is trying to intimidate us. We have a world out there that is trying to look for occasion to label us. But I'll tell you one thing. The church must not be a place for cowards. We shouldn't be a people who are made afraid by anybody. Because whatever puts you in fear will dominate you. And there is nobody who has a right to dominate us by Jesus and Jesus alone. My friend, the Bible says those who overcame, they overcame by the blood of, of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their life even to death. Be bold. Be bold. Tell somebody be bold. Be bold. This year we need to be bold. As sons and daughters of God, we need to be bold. You know, when I am going somewhere and I'm going to do something, one thing I have at the back of my mind is that God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, I will move in them. They shall be my people and I will be their God. And this statement is possible only on the basis of covenant. 
So when I'm moving, I know if you want God's address, right here. If you are looking for God's address, right here. If somebody says, I will dwell in them, what does that tell you? That is where I will live. So you see, when I lift up these hands to touch somebody that is sick, it is covenant hands I'm lifting. And when I lift up covenant hands, knowing that I am a covenant child, I will always have covenant resource. God can never fail me. Are you listening to me? I came to tell you God will not fail you. I came to tell you God will not disappoint you. I came to tell you that heaven has done everything it needs to do to secure to you every promise in the word of God. Is there any promise you need? It is yours for the day you decide I want it today. It is yours for the day you decide that today I need the solution and I'll receive the solution. I've always told people that the Bible says well, watch and pray. Meaning that you shouldn't just watch. You, should, you shouldn't just pray. You should also watch. And most of the time to help your faith carry a watch. So that in the moment in which you believe you receive something from God get that one recorded. The date the time, the place. Are you listening to me, my dear friends? Today, we want to take communion. And I want to encourage you, my dear friends. When that bread touches your lips, it is a confirmation of a covenant. If I were you, at this particular point, where I'm eating this bread, this is the time when I release my faith. This is the time when I actually receive what I need to receive. Am I talking to somebody? Because if I'm giving you something, there is a bestimter type in which you receive. At one point, you don't have it because I've still stretched of my hands, you are not taking it. At a certain point, when you receive it, then you have it. And you ought always to make a certain point in time where it will be your point of release of your faith. And when you release your faith, it will be yours. Am I okay with you? The Bible says what? What things ever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive. And you will have it. Don't wait and then you have it and now you want to believe. That's not what the scripture said. Many want to have it and then they believe. And guess what? You'll be waiting till the day you die. Do you know that if you wanted to Wait till actually you can feel the salvation of God before you believe that Christ died for you. You will die a sinner. So, when you believe you receive your healing, you will see the healing manifest in your physical body. And when you believe you receive, it's always a bestimted side. I always say that when, when, for example, it is prayer, and I'm praying for you, when I lay these hands upon you, I know I am laying covenant hands upon you. And I know that I am not just the only one laying hands upon you, but he that said, I will walk in me, or I will walk in somewhere. And I will move in him, I will dwell in him, he will be my child and I will be a God to him. I know that he is also in the course of the laying of hands. So that is the point to receive. That 
is the point to believe that the issue is sorted out. That is the point to believe that I am no more sick, I'm healed. Will my body tell me I'm healed? Most of the time, my body will not tell me I'm healed. My body will still say the pain is there. Or my body may even say that the pain has intensified. But the Bible said, I should believe I receive and then I will have it. So I need to believe that despite what I'm feeling in my body, I believe I receive. Lord, I believe I receive. Lord, it is mine. Lord, it is mine. And I begin to praise God. I begin to thank God. The Bible said, Abraham did not stagger at the promises of God through unbelief. But what? He was strong in faith. How? By giving glory to God. When you begin to praise God, you begin to thank God, you begin to bless God for the thing you believe you receive, which you haven't seen physically, you are giving glory to God. Why? Because you understand that a man of covenant cannot lie. You understand that a man who, in order to secure the thing to you, he swore by himself as well as cut a covenant. You know that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything shall be established. And therefore, it is yours. And when you do that, the more you do it, the Bible says, well, the more your faith becomes strong. Shall we be on our feet? Thank you for taking our time to tune in. For more information on our services, visit our website, www.wimachapu.org. You can also join us for our weekly conference calls on Thursdays. More details on our website. Also, make sure to check our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube platforms.